Before we begin, I'd just like to say thank you to my friends at Hair Saloon for supporting this podcast and for providing space at their corporate offices to record it. Hair Saloon's mission has as much to do with the restoration of men as it does with the business of haircutting. They try to make a difference in the lives of the thousands of men who come through their doors each week. Hair Saloon is based in St. Louis, Missouri, and if you've ever been interested in running your own business and want to work with great people, I would highly recommend you check out the Hair Saloon Franchise Opportunity. Go to hairsaloonfranchise.com to find out more information. That's hairsaloonfranchise.com. Also, a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and to please take two minutes to give us your review. And if you have a question or a comment you'd like to share with our listeners, go to Suzanne at the SuzanneVenkerShow.com. Welcome back to the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. As always, I'm here with Andre Parody of Project Equinox, and today we're going to discuss sex. Bum, bum, bum. Specifically, sex after the kids come along and what that really looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to talk about this for so long, Andre. I have well, to tell hey. you. <laughs> Most people don't want to talk about it. I know, this. I know. And I love so. to talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about. That's sort of my shtick. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to start by, but before we get into that, before we get into sex, I've got to read something regarding last week's podcast, which um, was about the, uh, yeah, the saint with balls issue. Mm, you yes. Know, the whole, yeah. Well, let me back up and say, you know, that the gist of that podcast last week was talking about um, how ultimately what women are looking for is a man who who is very strong, who can lead, but who's also kind and good. And it's just that sort of concept of the saint with balls that that really they're looking for. Um, so that's what I labeled labeled that um, that podcast. And so in the course of that conversation, we talked about being overly strong as a woman and how that works for men who how that can potentially be problematic um for a man who's not strong in his own right which is really the issue that we were trying to get across but if you take just a quick statement here or there from what we talked about it's easy to extrapolate something else from it so in other words this gentleman arthur said i don't like these vague terms like manly because it's subjective and i don't like people thinking that men who are attracted to strong women are weak I'd rather, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd rather date a hardworking woman with a good head on her shoulders than a passive woman who's a slave to her passions. But then this made me think about a piece that I wrote that went in conjunction with that podcast last week that I called uh, How Not to Wind Up with the Wrong Woman. I don't know if you saw that, but that was mm -hmm. essentially about women who need to control and what men can do to prevent themselves from being controlled. I mean, that's right. that was basically the gist of it, because we hear all kinds of uh, advice given to women for how what they need to watch out for and not getting with the wrong kind of guy. But God right. forbid we turn that on its head, which is what I like to do, and say, hey, if we're equal, and you know, certainly from this angle we are, we should be equal as far as what to watch out for um, when you fall in love. I thought it was time that we talked about how, guess what? There's also women to watch out for. And one of the biggest types to watch out for is the woman who ultimately seeks control. Yeah. So, okay, so that article was about that, and it went in very well with, with the podcast episode last week. And so I was thinking about this gentleman, Arthur's comment, 
and how confusing I think people are about the concept of strength in a woman. So I want to talk about that just for a minute and, and how, you know, the reason that I wrote that article, how not to wind up with the wrong woman. My point was in saying that there are many men who are attracted to the strong, independent, powerful women. And oftentimes that can turn around to sort of bite them in the ass down the road. Doesn't necessarily do that, but it very often does. And so there's this spectrum for that. And I, in that article, I wasn't referring to the um, how bad it can get for women who might be, I don't know, have a personality disorder or have um, um, or are harmful like this. I don't know if you heard about Johnny Depp and his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. of course. So of course. you take a situation like this where she's clearly abusive of him and we have such a hard time understanding that he can be, that any man can be a victim of that. I actually wasn't referring to the Amber Herds of the world who are actually harmful and abusive. I was referring to women who need to control and it's very subtle. It's not, it doesn't turn into anything necessarily uh, volatile or horrible, but it's just this consistent need to, to dominate. So um, it was interesting that this guy made this comment that he'd rather date. I don't understand what he meant by a hardworking woman with a good head on her shoulders than a passive woman as if those are the, those are the only opposites you have. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it's just the, it's just the concept of strength and what that means. Like, so there's a difference between being strong minded, you know, having your own Mm -hmm. mind, which is wonderful and being strong willed. And I think that's a really good way of sort of describing what I'm taking a really long time to try to get to everybody. So (laughs) bear with me. But anyway, yeah. You, do you understand what I'm saying? No, I, I, it's, I completely get it. And I, I come across the same thing myself, right? Like I'll post something about, you know, I had one that, that I posted. It was something like, um, I'd like my woman to be more masculine, said no man ever, right? Because <laughs> no one wants this because masculine, you know, is about strength, power, and control, right? So when women want to control the situation, control the relationship, control their lives, it's fantastic. It's appropriate to a point, but controlling your mate, if, you, if you're obsessed with control, which gives you a feeling and a, 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 a sense of safety, and see, in my world, that's what I found out when I peel the onion. These women actually don't feel safe in the world, whether they didn't have a daddy to make them feel safe or they're, you know, they're raised without a daddy, alcoholic daddy. Like some version of daddy's not ever made them feel safe. They grow up being masculine and controlling because they had to to survive like on their nervous system so it becomes it's a bad habit that just sort of spreads around so it is masculine in paradigm and these women have high anxiety they don't feel mm-hmm. safe ever mm-hmm. they can't be vulnerable they can't let go you know and it becomes a, a lifestyle so men who attach themselves to these women typically exact opposite men that have been too you know Soft. Not found their mojo. They're yeah, soft. They didn't find their mojo. mojo. Yeah. And they appreciate the fact that she does all the, all the work. Point is, it's also a big price to pay for this eventually. Right? She loses respect for him and he ends up being and, mothered. And and how? Yeah. And, I, and, and I want people to be able to remove this concept of being a strong person from that. Because, right. you know, one of my arguments is that you can be strong. I mean, you have to really define what strong is. Because... You can be strong person without being a controlling person. Yeah. But you can't be a controlling person without also being strong. Those kind of two got to go hand in hand. So anyway, this just gets, it gets a little 
fuzzy, this whole concept of, of female strength. And I, I just think it's an interesting conversation because I think it gets conflated. I think the strength gets conflated easily with control and yeah. it doesn't have to at the end of the day is what right. I, it just often does. So that was the right. Point. Well, because, you know, the, the paradigm of it, I, I think the mighty of, of strength in a, in a woman is the ability to have boundaries and say no. There you go. Right. They, that's, that's strength, that's, right? right? It's like you could have, if you know who you are, you have good boundaries, you're a healthy woman. Yeah. You know, you don't need to control everything. It's actually better for you not to. It'd be more in flow, but, you know, handle your stuff. But when your strength comes into somebody might, trying to make you do something or, you know, cross a boundary of some kind, you go, you know, you know I, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. You know, I don't really want this. You know, like boundaries. And so that's appropriate feminine strength, which is clean, big boundaries. You know, around you, so that you don't get run over, taken over. It's different than taking over. It's, yes. t- it's different than taking over and pushing everybody around and wanting. There you go. Way. That's what I'm trying to say. There. See, now yeah. you said that much more succinctly than I did. Okay, that's why you're here, Andre. See. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's it. I just wanted to uh, to address that email from from Arthur, and now we're gonna move on to the subject at hand. Yes. Almost 100% of my coaching clients are struggling with the same dilemma. Their circumstances vary, but the underlying issue is the same. They're swimming against rather than with the biological tide. Out of fear of depending on a man, not just financially, but in any way, the woman has lost touch with her femininity and has supplanted the masculine role. In response, her husband has become either passive or argumentative. The result is a standoff. Resentment has set in and the sex and respect are gone. These couples are right to be worried. The good news is, this is fixable. If you're single and struggling in love, or if you're married but feel frustrated and alone, I can help. Go to SuzanneVenker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Once you sign up or send me an email, you will hear from me personally within 24 hours. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneVenker.com. So I posted this meme recently that where I said, remember the sex you had before the babies came. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Yes. But I received over 100 comments that run the <laughs> gamut of people who had a lot to say about that. So I was going to read a few of them just to get, just to get us in the mood here of this conversation because I thought it was very nice. funny. All right, one. My general observation is that sex after babies is less, a lot less. For women, it becomes more of a have to do than an I get to do. That was obviously from a man. (laughs) Although it could be from a woman, but it was from a man. I have a seven year, and this is another one. I have a seven and a half year old daughter who is amazing at being birth control. LOL. She won't sleep without her mother. I don't think that's an LOL. I think that's a problem. But anyway, yeah, that's, I'd say that's some pretty big birth control right there. Three. It's the same after babies if you know how to manage your kids. Make them go to bed early and you can have two hours of fun every night. Four. I love this one. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm in it currently. Teenagers. And all of our bedrooms are too close together. We're looking for another house. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. I love that one. And, you know, it's tongue in cheek, but it's actually kind of serious, too, at the same time. Sure. Fifth, yes, but the one after they go away for college is so much better. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're going to laugh at this one. This is my personal fave. 
Remember, the question was, remember the sex you had before the babies came? And this gal says, yes, exclamation point. Nine times in one night. It was glorious. Three kids later, and we joke about having sex 2012 style. Still do it frequently, but wow, is it different. When you have to hurry up because a baby is crying, etc., I get why so many women lose interest after kids. I don't know about that nine times in one night. I actually nine responded. Times. I responded to her and I said, um, I think his penis would fall off. I'm really not following this. I don't believe that. But she actually said that that did happen. So I'll have to take her word well, for it since I wasn't there. I'm guessing just because, <laughs> you know, Viagra? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she man, nine I times? Don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard of anything like that. But at any rate, yeah. I couldn't handle it. I don't know what I would. I, I mean, I don't even understand the whole concept. But okay. Sounds if that was good for her, great. Them, but them, I should say. So, but the, but the last part of what she said, when you have to hurry up because a baby is crying, I get why so many women lose interest after kids. Okay, this is the part, this is what I want to talk about, because this is the reason why um, I wanted to, do the, wanted to do this segment. I think that, and that I specify, you know, I originally called this married sex, but that's not really what I was getting. And I was getting at marriage after kids, because if you don't, if you're a couple that never has kids, this this wouldn't apply to you. But I really wanted to hone in on this because, uh, well, for several reasons. Number one, um, there is a huge sex different component to this conversation, um, as far as what this what this last gal said that women lose interest after kids because the baby is crying. Now you take something like that, and there's just simply no question that a woman is going to be more in tune and aware of and um, feeling responsible for that baby in the other room more than the man in her bed. That's just the reality of it. A man will tune out the baby and say, just forget about it. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. And she will not be able to relax when that baby is crying next door. There is no way. So this is, this is what prompted this whole idea for this podcast, because this is such an important aspect of, married what i'm calling married sex marriage after the babies come because it can't possibly be the same way before once you've got that interruption in your face all the time at least not for women and i'll let you speak for for men i mean to some extent it's the same way i guess for men when you're first a parent when you're really really it's really really new but women will stay in that mode for several well some would say you know, for the duration of the kids being in the house. And I wanted to address that. I wanted to talk about that because I think it's real. I think it's, um, I think it's normal. And right. I think there are things that we can do about it and things that we can, um, you know, ways to work around that. So the fact that men don't need to be warmed up, for example, for sex in the way that women do makes it such that having the babies or not even just babies, but the kids in the house isn't quite as much of a drain on them in the same way sexually as it is for a woman. Um, and I also think his desire doesn't wane at all, but I think that a woman's does. In fact, you know, studies show that technically, you know, for physiological reasons, at least at the beginning, it, it does happen to women that their interest is um, interest wanes after babies. But of yeah. course, you've got children for 20 years, right? 18, 20 years, assuming mm-hmm. you have a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. And that's a long time to deal with <laughs> <laughs> this interruption, if you want to say, into our sex lives. 
Mm. So I'm going to stop talking now for a moment so you can get a word in edgewise, Andre. <laughs> you look like so, you have something to say. Uh, I mean, <laughs> me, something to say. <laughs> How unlikely. Uh, I mean, to me, to me, though, it's it's just another phase of life. It's in a phase of how life develops. You know, there's life before marriage and life after marriage and life pre-baby and life post-baby. And so it's all, since it's not like a couple of week adventure, it's a 20 year or so adventure, you know, you got to flex with this somehow. Yep. Right. It's, you, it's a different thing, different habit, but there's no, people have been working it out, right? There's a way to work this out. So I know for me, if I'm going to get personal, I remember it was no problems until the kids were about, I think it was nine years old the first time my son walked into our room and said, what's with all the racket? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've always had that fear, but it never happened. Oh, no, oh, it happened. And, it, oh. and I, was, uh, I was in a position that I'm like, he used the you word, Wait a minute. See? Hold on. Back up. He used what? the word racket yeah. at the age of nine? He said racket. He <laughs> said, what's with all the racket? I swear to God. And I didn't know because the room was dark. He just walked right in and I was not sure from the way I was positioned what he had just seen, which really worried me. But seemingly, you know, he didn't see anything. He was just woke him okay. up in the noise. Um, that was the first time we were like, oh, we have to be. Because, you know, when they're little, they sleep yep. like logs. Yes. Like they're, they, yes. they're passed out. Yes. You put him out of the car, put him in the garage, put him anywhere. They're sleeping. They're, they're dead. But by around nine, seemingly, uh, not so much. So that was when that started being a, a thing. And I thought, see, for me, it was like, okay, so we have to be quieter. Okay, it makes sense. Get it. But like you said, for her, it was never that again. Like for her, there was an awareness that even yep. if she, there's an awareness that he's, if he's awake, she could hear this. And yep. that just took Killed. her out. Yes. Freaking took her out. Same. And it was so difficult to get him to get her to relax because she couldn't. Because yep. what if he's listening? What yes. if he's on the, you know, what if he can, you know? And then my daughter started complaining that she could hear me snore. So then I was like, okay, now she, she's okay. So now she could hear across the hall. Damn. Right? So that was sort of, okay, Houston, we have to do something. Right? It's not really a problem. I don't know if Houston is a problem. But it was like, we have to do something else. So what did you guys do? Because i tell you what I did next. What did you okay. guys do? Okay. Well, so you're, you got it. So you're, um, let's see. I have this next thing I was going to say is um, mm. st these different stages of married sex. And I listed these different yeah. stages. So I'm going to just read those really ah. quickly because you're you're basically in number one, two, three, uh, uh, four or five here. OK, mm. uh, this is what I wrote down. Complete freedom at first. Right. Before the right. baby's yeah. complete freedom. You're married. It's heaven. And from yeah. that end, uh, then you have the bodily changes that go on during pregnancy, which kind of changes things a bit. Then the babies come and you have total sleep deprivation, which changes it yet again. <laughs> Eventually, after a few months or years or whatever, you have, because you got to count, I guess, for the other kid that's going to come along or what have you, mm -hmm. um, normal sleep again at some point. Mm -hmm. But as you say, the children are young enough, they don't know what mom and dad are doing. So that's stage mm -hmm. four. And then fifth, elementary age kids who go to bed at a decent hour. So you can at least account for, okay, by 7.30 or 8, they're, you know, at least they're presumably out. But as you just said, <laughs> as you just pointed out, um, mm -hmm. it's not it's not that simple unless you just are really quiet. Um, so the, And I'll come back to – wait a minute. I'll come back to that in a minute, your question about yeah. how to avoid that in the future. And then the teenage years, when they're – this is where I am now – where there always seem to be young adults in your midst – 
Meaning yeah. you have this roommate instead of this kid who's fully awake past your hour of bedtime, which is where we are. And then the empty nesting, not empty nest years. So those are the different stages I, I, I wrote down when I'm thinking about sex and how yeah. that, okay. So the first thing I thought of when you described yours was, okay, the only way to alleviate that from happening would be no noise, can't make any noise, mm-hmm. and lock your door. Okay. That, now, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, well, clearly you didn't do either of those no. things, which is why that happened. Well, they don't, they don't, but, they don't work. She was still aware. Oh, yo, no, no, no. After the fact. Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant gotcha. like if like it never would have happened to begin with, probably if you had not made any noise at all. And then if you had mm. locked the door now, it, even if but even if that's so, he still could have heard. Something else still could have happened eventually. Right. He could have said in the morning, and, I heard you guys last night. What was going on? Absolutely. And right. either way, the moment she, and I am so with your wife, that is exactly where. In fact, mm. we're still in it. We're still in it where Bill has yeah. just – he's given up on the concept that I will ever um, tune – be able to tune out until he's gone next year when we become empty nesters, which is why I put it into the final in, – and, and which is really funny because people on the Facebook page commented about how great empty nest life was and how you can walk around naked and just you have your whole right. life back to the way it was before mm. they came. Um but yeah, so we're still in that mode of full-on adult sharing space with down the hall, and he's 17 years old, and he's awake past when we go to sleep. Yeah. So you're talking about you know locking the door and literally not making any noise ever. If but then, well, sorry, so I'm interrupting your story because you wanted to continue your. No, no, I was actually curious at that point for you when that transition where obviously they don't sleep tight. What did you do? Like, what was your adjustment? Because I think this is all. This is this conversation. It's like, how do you adjust to the stages? Um, Correct. Correct. Because I right because I want to talk about how to keep your sex life strong throughout these stages. Okay. Yeah. So let it be known that we are still fully in that stage and in that mode of he's just waiting for the kid to go so that I can be myself again because I'm never. I'm like your wife. As long as there's someone right outside that door who can hear what's going on, I am on edge. I yeah. absolutely cannot relax. Now, the moment you remove me from my surroundings, and I've talked with girlfriends about this, if you go for the night to a hotel, you get a whole different kind of woman. Yeah. You know what Freedom. I mean? Freedom. Yeah. I mean, if there is not a soul who needs you, I'm convinced that the more couples do this, the more that men in particular will see that their wives are still there yeah. <laughs> and that they will be more of what you remembered, but that you have to remove all those distractions to, to remind yourself, Hey, it's okay. This stage will end. She's still there. She's still interested. Um, so it's a different kind of sex that you're having when there's people in your midst. It's just not going to be the same. Now this is, you know, if we want to take this all the way to the tension that women feel, because men don't know this, you know, they have a sense of it, but they don't really know it. Uh, there's even a thing like any kind of pressure, any kind of awareness outside of being in the moment, you know, anything that would take you out of that, if you can't be in present, you know, will stop you from the, having a, like a good time. So uh, Alison Armstrong, that you obviously know very well, actually had this thing. I remember being in a workshop and she said that out loud. And she said to the guys, there's a men's workshop, and she says, you know, if you guys weren't so attached, you know, to the fact that you want to create orgasm, you'd get a lot more sex. And then she moved on. I'm like, oh, okay, wait, hold on. So I stood on my chair because mm-hmm. <laughs> she's trying to move on. And I said, 
you can't just say that. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean? If you're not so attached to orgasm, you'll get more sex. Because a lot of guys, for, of course, for us, the point is the orgasm, right? Like, this is how we, this is the whole, mm-hmm. you know, standing mm-hmm. ovation, right? Like, ta-da! Like, you wouldn't have sex with, without that. What's the point? Well, right, for us, there's no point. Yeah. That is the point, yeah. right? But so we think it's the point for you. So some uh, guys will actually sort of like clamp down and go, all right, baby, like I'm going to make that happen for you. Right? And they kind of, yeah. uh, and then, yeah. uh, and then, uh, whether, whichever, whichever way they're doing it, right? They, yeah. they have that pulse of like, come on, baby, come on, baby, right? Which is way too much pressure on a woman because she yes. can't relax with that right. pressure. Right. And so that's what she was saying. Just that pressure, never mind anything around you that's now yeah. dissolved. Just him really wanting to make that happen for you yes. is too much pressure. Right. It's yes. too much pressure. So, like, so, so, like, put that on top of the kids that are across the hall, and you know, the gardeners in the front yard, or you know, the cat about on the, it. The cat's on, <laughs> on, on the desk looking at you, right? That'll take her out. The cat <laughs> that will take her out. That'll take yes. her out. The dog is now sniffing at the door, wondering what's happening. She's like. All of that. Right? Meanwhile, All he has that. singular vision. This is no problem for me. I can keep going. Like I'm like, that's pointless. The cat can watch. I don't care. Yeah, right. Right. She's she's like shy. Like the cat's watching. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Same. It's okay. The Same. kids are not. So what did I? So I want to get back to what did you do when you guys? So what did you do at nine months, nine years old, or whatever when you couldn't like everything shifted? Um, what was your yeah, adjustment? So, um, so I'll tell you mine next. That's funny. So the adjustment, the adjustment, um, well, fortunately we never had, they've literally never walked in ever once. Now I think that's because once I became aware that they, I could no longer just go about my business and they wouldn't even know, I started to clam up initially, you know, just at the whole thought of it. And so like, for example, I, if the door isn't locked, I will not do it. And he'll forget, he'll forget to lock the door. And I'm like, okay, well, go lock the door. You know, it's the door locked. It's the door locked. He's like, damn it. And he'll go and lock the door. (laughs) He's like, he's not going to come in. He's not going to come in. Like, all it takes is once. All it takes is once. What? But just the thought. Again, it's just more the thought for you, right? It's where you're worried. So you can't let go. Although, yes, that's right. But I, I do take that back. One time in our old house, I locked the door. Or I thought I had locked the door. And our daughter, who's now the age of our son, she's gone, she's in college, did walk in, open the door. We were not in the midst of anything, but I had mm. just locked it, I guess, in preparation for that. And she walked in. She was able to open the door and just walk in when I thought it was locked. Well, if I ever had any uh, confirmation and calmness about locking the door at that point, it went out several years ago. Now, now even locking the door isn't enough. <laughs> because because it might not work. Because yeah. it might not work. So my whole head is just, it's just consumed with what's going on outside that door. And the only way I can re- make him understand that I'm still here is when we have a cabin about an hour from the house. And we go there and I'm a completely different human being. And right. I'm sure in, my, in his mind, he's going, oh my God, thank God. Thank God this is coming. This is coming. This is coming soon because our son's <laughs> leaving in a year. Um, so we just basically, it, I guess, you know what? I, I think the best way of putting it is like, because I'm on edge about that, I feel like those last years and it, you know, it could last eight years, you know, when they're that old and they're around. Yeah. 
I'm never really my true self. I really feel that I'm not. And I feel like it's been um, a, a struggle. And I think it's completely normal, which is why I wanted to talk about this, because I don't think I'm at all alone. Um, I actually, I'm pretty impressed with how well we do in this in this whole department, considering how dramatically it has been it has changed as a result yeah. of this. Uh, and and yeah. knowing that that it's ending, that it's that's this is not a problem. It's a stage yeah. and it's ending. So that's been very helpful. So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question very well about, yeah, yeah. about what I did. did. But okay. Did. So what were you going to say that so, you did? Well, for me, like I said, there was no. It's just like you said, right? It's just the fact that you're you're so aware of what's outside the door, and now they can hear through the door. They can hear even you know the idea of us being quiet is not good enough because yeah. you can hear the bed you can hear the bed mm-hmm. or you know whatever and plus the audience with the cats because they're sleeping there. anyway so for for us the thing, <laughs> it was you know the living room is right there that's too that's too vulnerable again right so we ended up in the garage the garage the garage was our you know our adjustment the garage yeah no we're in california right it's not 100 you know minus okay. 25 by the way so the garage. So what happened is I did this. <laughs> it's also not very comfortable, I wouldn't think. <laughs> well, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me. And then if the you picture. try to make it comfortable, your kids are going to see that and be like, "What the hell are you doing in the garage?" No, it's, it's better than that. Actually, it's a little bit. It's kind of clever. Uh, what happened is, you know, at the time, my, my kids, my my son is nine years old. He's into video games, right? My daughter's not really getting into. It, so I was never wanted to lose them to video games. I think that's not yep. healthy. Yep. However. To, to keep him normal, to be able to play with his friends, he's allowed to play, right? Mm-hmm, so there was a mm-hmm. kind of a, a structure around that. I had a time limit on his video game yeah. time. <laughs> Same. But better, th- be- better than that for him not to fight with me, I put him in the garage. You put him with his video games in the garage? In the garage. Okay. Right? So, And I live in Woodland Hills in California, Los Angeles. So it's a little bit – Woodland Hills is like it has only a little climate, if you want. Like it's about five degrees hotter in the summer than the rest of the city. And it gets a little cooler in the winter. Like there's a, a little flux. Anyway, so basically in the summer, in the garage without heat, it's too cold for him. And in the summer, it's too hot for him to be mm-hmm. in there. So mm-hmm. I made that environment uncomfortable for him on purpose where he didn't, didn't – we didn't oh. want to spend, spend two hours in the garage. Either way, you know, it's right. mostly uncomfortable. Okay. Especially late evenings and, you know, on both sides. So, but what had happened is I have a sectional couch that I bought two sets of whatever. And one of the big sectional, which is a lounge chair, was his lounge chair. Like I set him up in the garage with this this mm-hmm. lounge chair for him to be comfortable and literally lounge when he's playing video games. Yeah. In the horrible setup of the garage, right? Uh-huh. So <laughs> that's what happened. So at the moment, you I know, see. We're, so the garage became the oh okay well that's you there's know, a couch out there there's a big old yeah. lounge chair couch out there leather you know but, just to, which is where you know he was what was the question my question but, is don't you have a door that goes to the garage that people could they could just walk into yeah but yeah like I said you know by nine o'clock everybody's in bed you know oh this was they're, they're little they're yeah little. but not now so, you couldn't do that now. No, that's what oh, I mean. that I was see. adjustment number one. That was the adjustment, adjustment number one where they were little. So now they could hear us. So Perfect. we ended up literally across the other side of the house in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> it made all kinds of noise because there's it. like, you know, there's a, li- there's a living room, dining room, kitchen before we get to the garage type thing. Yes. So there's much padding. And that was like a, a, something we did for quite a long run. It was like, you know, sneak in the garage and whoopee. Okay, you know? so and that, that would be 
that was... I had her back that way. She was free. She was uh... completely free. There was no noise, you know, um, awareness, right? That's, it was completely fantastic. So that's a great suggestion, everybody, for the stage five here, elementary age kids who go to bed at a decent hour during that stage, because it goes yeah. from there to teenage years. And then that what you just described wouldn't work anymore. So that no, would be OK. So that would be in when they're elementary age and they're going to bed every night. It is OK. Great. Yep. 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 And you don't want to make noise. So you go on the other side of the house, you know, the property and make okay. noise over there. You hear that? everybody? No the garage. I hope everybody got that. The garage. Again, in St. Louis, maybe not so much, but in California, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. And of course, there's no couch in our garage. But anyway, that's that's quite that's quite brilliant. Um, yeah. uh, probably the biggest example, and people are going to laugh at this for us, that's sort of a reminder of how those different stages work is that my husband bought a massage table for me, which oh. really requires a hell of a lot of work on his part <laughs> for, <laughs> for Christmas, like 15 years ago. Um, and you, you know what a massage table? It. It's got the hole in the middle. I get it. And everything. I get it. Because I'm a big it. massage freak. I love to get massaged. I don't get them nearly as often as I would like to. Um, but anyway, that is one surefire way to get Suzanne to get off the treadmill, you know, of life or whatever, and relax yeah. is, is a massage. So he used to give me massages on this table, and the kids were like, I don't know, two and five. And they love to play on that table because they'd get up and crawl all over and there's a hole in it. And the other person would go yeah. underneath and go, hi, hi, hi. And they'd look uh, from above. Uh, well, this table was permanently out in the bedroom <laughs> three or four nice. houses ago um, because they were that little and the table was there. And um, is, if it's out and already set up, you're much more likely to use it, you know, mm -hmm. to have a massage than you would if it's yeah. all folded up. Okay. I think that lasted, mm, you know, Maybe three years total. Maybe. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Um, that table, we still have it several houses later. It's in our bedroom, folded up in the corner of the room, and has not been opened in about 10 years. <laughs> uh. Or more, or more. Because how the hell would you possibly relax and have a massage with old with your kids older? They'd be like, what are you doing? And uh, like, oh, it, gross. Like, yeah, gross. Gross. Dad, gross. It's so gross. Like the whole thought of it for them. So <laughs> that's just this constant reminder for us because it's in our bedroom folded up and oh, I haven't seen that in about 10 years. Right. So that's an example of something that worked ED mm -hmm. uh, at, you know, for a certain stage and then whoop, closed up shop and hopefully we'll break it out again when, when we're empty nesters, you know, I think the oh, empty you will. Yeah. You will. Yeah. You will. I have some, I have a lot of empty nester friends. They're just a couple of years ahead of us and um, they're just, I mean, they just smiling from ear to ear. And when I talked about this, you know, when I posted this thing that said, remember the sex you had before the babies came, they're like, Oh, that's nothing compared to what happens when they go. It's way better right. after they go. So. Well, um, I'm I'm like you. I got teenagers in my house, and my son is going to college. And his schedule is loose enough that he, he's working full time. But like, we constantly have five or six boys crashing at my house, like a few times a week. So I can't even get out of my bathroom or my oh bedroom. Oh my god! You know, like in my underwear because there's like four no. guys on my couch scratched out. You know, crash out on the couch and living room. Now that's something I've never had anything like that. In fact, we're not even the house that people come to, so it's a non-issue. But yeah. what? So. So then that would really kill it, I would think. 
But in that sense, absolutely, right? But there's no going in the garage. Even that's been a while now. There's no going in the garage because there are teenagers everywhere. Like no massage table, no garage. He's he's right. up later. He's up later now. He works late. He comes home at midnight sometimes from from work. You know, what I mean? so all that is sort of like now the awareness is like we're surrounded at all times. So the option, the next option is you know what everybody else is doing is you know away for the weekend, away for yeah. sun, Saturday night. Right. At a, you know, local hotel. There's, we're surrounded. Just a few miles around us, and they're big enough they can take care of themselves as we spend the night out. And, right. You know that's that's, and that's obviously not a weekly thing. But no. again, it's another layer of you know, the life at this point. It's where the house, where the house where all the kids hang out. Period. And of course, so, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a whole other. Yeah, that's a. I, yeah, we just don't have that. But yeah. people either. That's an example of something that could also put a damper on it. And also what we haven't talked about here is the number of children you have. So mm-hmm. I do have a couple of friends who have a, kind of a handful of, like a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, and obviously the more kids you have, the harder this conversation. I mean, I can picture a couple of them right now just listening, going, just shaking their heads. Like, I don't know you what know. they would want to say, but it's a whole different ballgame when you got a lot of kids. Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. just prolong the whole thing, and it's it's just that much harder. Right. So I would love to hear you know how that works for them. But since they're not here, I you know I just picture them kind of smiling to themselves right now um, at how true this is for them. I remember distinctly, just I guess it would have been a, a year and a half or two years ago when you moved from two to one. Wait, do you have both at home or one? Yeah, both. Okay. Plus five of his friends. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. So it's like having a lot. So that's true. That's different. Um, But we had two and now one. And the difference between two and one is very much like the difference between two and one in the early years Mm. or the first when you're baby. Because if you have one baby, you can work around that schedule. And then you have this locked in time. Oh, they nap. And I don't mean for sex. I mean for anything, taking a shower or whatever. And then once you have two, you lose that. So it's and and so it reversed itself here where if, if one wasn't home the other one was in the last 4 or 5 6 years but then when our daughter went away and it was just our son now when he's so for example he works every Saturday mm-hmm. at a hardware store oh well when he goes the house is literally empty right. and it was and the first time we experienced it was in the last year when our daughter was gone because in the past, if one goes, the other one's still there. You know, it's, it was hard to have both gone at the same time for like five hours at a time on a weekend. Yep, it just never yep, happened. Yep. But now he has this job every Saturday. And it finally dawned on Bill and me. We just like look around like, oh, my God, this is going to be every Saturday. And for the <laughs> first time in t- really 20 years, tw- I mean, think about that. 20 mm-hmm. years. It was such a big deal because we felt the silence of the house and knew that it was going to stay that way for X amount of hours. And then we realized, oh, it's going to be this way every Saturday. And it had been 20 years since we'd experienced that. Yeah. So that was a really big deal. Um, that's an example yeah. of moving from one. And then you really felt the phase then, that, that you moved out of one phase into another where you have yeah. potential window there. So to answer your question about, uh, you know, well, you asked about when they were younger. But now that's an example of, oh, there's your window. <laughs> And you transition, a new transition, a new and you, lifestyle. You transition your lifestyle and when you're going to do it and, and how, I mean, yeah, yeah. Because you have to coordinate it around whatever your options are. Whereas yeah. before the kids come, your options are all on the table. You have anything, you know, anything goes, <laughs> right. anything goes. 
You can't really plan either. That's the thing, right? You can't plan well, you know, that way. Where this way you have actually something, you know, next Saturday, next Saturday, next Saturday. So you could actually build momentum on that and build up for it in all kinds of ways, right? Oh, no question. All kinds of ways. I mean, it's been huge. I won't lie. You know, it's been huge. And that was just about a year ago. A little envious. A little envious right here. I know. I know. Because it, it took a couple of Saturdays before we... Before it kind of dawned on us, oh my God, we have this every right. Saturday. This is this yeah. is unbelievable. And the feeling of no one being in the house. And I'm going back to thinking about my friends who have a lot of kids. Like, we're so far away from that, I can't imagine. Mm. Um, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. So and again, it's just cycles, right? It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of anything. It's just, it goes from one way to a different way to a different way, then back around. It does. And I do want to, um, I want to talk specifically just respect to this, the, the difference between men and women again, real quick on this to at least, you know, cause I do hear from, you know, let's go back to that first comment that that, um, man made about my general observations that sex after babies is a lot less for women. It becomes more of a have to than I get to do. So it really takes just knowing that that's a, that that's, that that's part of it. <laughs> And that it's real and that it happens to most people. There are ways around it as long as you don't let that become something that you resent or that you don't address or don't talk about. You've got mm. to talk about it. You've got to find a way around it um, and, and do things to, to show yourself that, you're, that, you're, that, it's a, that it's not permanent. And going away, for example, for the night would be one thing. Yeah. But then also yeah. creating, like you said, <laughs> you went to the garage. Um, but, but understand and be more sympathetic that for women, they can't just turn it off and get into sex. You know, this is really important for men to understand. It's not a matter of not being interested anymore, or I just don't care. It's about literally physically not being able to, without that warm up um, period, without the relaxation, without the total mental, um, Let go. Let go. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we're just so different from men. And and that means, unfortunately, unfortunately, for those years that you're dealing with this kind of stuff, it's going to require a lot of effort on not just her part, but on his part to make an environment, create an environment that's going to allow her to relax more. That's all I'm Mm. saying. Rather than be angry about it, I don't think that's helpful. I think it's just a very real thing for women. And I think it's a hush hush thing that people don't talk about. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason to not talk about it. You know, we should talk about it. Right. For sure. And, you know, I think the way I see it from my perspective, when I talk to men about stuff like this is they, they don't understand really because, you know, we have a different pulse in life, right? We have a different energy system. We kind of, you know, testosterone allows mm-hmm. us to take on stress and then be okay longer. If you want to put it that way, where, you know, like, stress and children and the doings of being a mother when, when they're little and then, you know, it, it takes so, so it's all consuming all the time from dusk till dawn and again the next day and there's no break, there's no weekends off. You right, know? exactly. So That's man, important man, men really don't understand that a woman really is not, you know, my, my, my wife to be good in the world, you know, she's, it requires about nine to 10 hours of sleep. Like that's ideal for her body, nine to ten, not eight, nine or ten, ideal. When we had babies, she'd get 
two and three in a row, you know, sparsely, you know, and on, mm-hmm. off, interrupted, interrupted, up for a while, and they can't go back to sleep. And that just wreaked havoc on everything on I her, think that's really, energy, her energy system, right? Like, like I think that's really so, the beginning of the change for women right there. We just started, yeah, right, right. starting with There's that sleep no, deprivation. Like, yeah. You know, you have to be available and open and 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 on. Ex- <laughs> excited and on to be able to do this as opposed to ascend of the chore on some level, right? When you're like, all you want to do is sleep and, you know, was, I had one lady that wasn't very smart. I thought it was a little bit insane even, but she said, she said out loud complaining about, her husband's complaining about the lack of sex and they had the little kids. And she said, I have little hands on me all day long. I can't stand it at the end of the day. Like I've, I've had, been, you know, hands on mm-hmm. all day long, you know? And so mm-hmm. uh, I yeah, get it. That's a hard, yeah. Yeah. You know, I get it. I get it. However, you know, at the same time, you can't, you can't completely, that's just, yeah, no, that's you know, not the right attitude. You that's not be, right. That's no. not right. No, yeah. That's no, not right. No. I had one, one with the same woman said at one point, this is insane. I thought, and I just, she said, you know, we have kids now. He needs to get over it. Like I'm tired. No. And then that one, I'm like, are you like, what is what you can't right it's like trying to don't feed him any food and expect him not to get a snack on the way home yeah, i mean that's exactly. really a setup for exactly. disaster right exactly. like he needs to get over it it's like he need we have kids now he needs to get over it as in like he never has to touch me ever again because you know it's just for procreation and he needs to get over it i'm like lady there's something wrong here yeah, like very that's not that's not okay anyway and i want to also say to those women i don't believe that they really don't need. Now, I, and some will argue this, that they really don't care about sex. They really don't need it anymore. It really does tune out, Suzanne. I really just don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. All right. I suppose that can happen to somebody somewhere. But I I truly believe that, that if they, uh, if they removed all those stressors, hypothetically, mm-hmm. and even the children from their world for 24 hours, I don't believe for a moment that they wouldn't be able to tap into what they were like prior to kids. In other words, it, it, all it takes is the right setting and the right environment and the right everything to get her going again. And she just doesn't care to take the time to do it. This is my opinion because it's too much effort to get it going like that. And that's true. I mean, it is much longer and harder for a woman than for a man. So so the effort that's required is 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 big, and and so the younger the kids are, the harder. Well, not necessarily because when they're younger, it's actually easier because they go to bed and they don't know what's going on. But um, I don't believe that she doesn't really want hands on her. I, I think she just doesn't. She's just so exhausted, quite frankly, that it's yep. just too it's too daunting to 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 deal with. But you have right. to deal with it if you want your marriage to last because that's a t- that's a ticking time bomb right there what you just described. I mean, seriously, right? It's and so my for me like I look at it as you you have to you have to I know and I understand when you're exhausted, right? It's like something else for you to put out and do, right? So like you that's the last thing you want. You're just hit the pillow and you're gone if you're lucky. Um I understand, but you know, it's a, it's a relationship, right? It's, it's a partnership. You can't, um, abandon the husband for the sake of the children, right? Cause when yeah. the children are gone, as you know, guess who's going to be still there. If you're lucky him, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? So, uh, I don't know if you remember this is years ago. There was a lady that was on Oprah. It just kind of came all over the internet as well, 
who said that you should never make your kids a priority in your life. As a mother, you should take your husband mm -hmm. and keep your husband as a priority. I completely and, agree. You know, I completely agree, but the, the audience went crazy and calling your names and how can you not take care of your kids and, you know, your husband, you know, is not yours, your kids are your flesh. It's just like, no, my husband is the one I created this life with. My husband is the one who is making all this possible. I, I care for my husband. I have a different aware, awareness with the kids, but my, I do not, you know, I love my husband more than my kids. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and, the, and the way she put it was super, super healthy and logical, like, Marriage comes first. first. Marriage first. Yes. Kids second. Absolutely. Yes. Because and the marriage falls apart, then everything falls apart. And everything is gone, right? And it's interesting for me. It wasn't like it sounds weird, but it wasn't. She was saying like she doesn't love her kids. It was saying that she had really good boundaries around the kids for the sake of the marriage and the Absolutely. husband. Like that was primary. And again, she's the one that said, you know, in twenty years, who's going to be here with me? Him. So I got to make sure that he wants to stay and that he's okay, that he's good, and take care of him appropriately or us as a couple you know primarily I think that was very much understood back in the day and people did put marriage before the kid well it was always it was so turned around it was so different I mean adults first children second you know right, um, right. Th they come with you along for the ride not they don't disrupt your life to the point where you just forget about everything you had and then you know create uh, mm -hmm. your life through them that's not that's not healthy that's um not no because um, that's what a husband so, say. And I, I know I'm sorry to mm -hmm. cut you off, but that's what husbands say. Like, I lost my wife. Yeah, oh, I just lost yeah. my wife to the kids. Like, I don't, she didn't care that I'm here. I'm just like, make sure the lights stay on by making money. But I could just be a roommate, I, you know, and the guys eventually resent that. Absolutely. You know, it's a deep, huge deeply. problem. That is not a small thing. I think that is extremely yeah. common. Yeah. For um, me, it's if you care, it's a little bit of, you know, like, I remember this really well. Like I knew that pregnancy was going to take her out. I knew having a baby was going to take her out. The breastfeeding and all that mm -hmm. it takes, and you know, motherhood is overwhelming. And we had both back to back in a row. Um, and you know, I'm a grown man. I could take care of myself. I don't need her to, you know, baby me me at all. That's not my temperament anyway. But like, I don't need her to necessarily like, be the perfect little wifey. Like she's tired. She's snapped. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She can hardly find time to shower for grace right. you know god's sake that's that how overwhelmed it is so i'm like i'm cool i'm cool i'm cool i'm cool i got this i'm cool and i go grocery shopping and i would mm -hmm. do all the mm -hmm. stuff that she struggled to do and i'm cool i'm cool i'm cool i'm cool i'm a grown man i'm cool and at about two years into it i lost my shit mm. she got sucked into the kids and the life of being a mom and little kids and how overwhelming all that is and basically like i became mm -hmm. an the, the fixture or, yeah an afterthought and it was, like I said, I understood. I was patient. I am a loving husband. I wanted to support her in every way. She needed to sleep. She needed to whatever. But it, it was two years into it where at one time I'm like, you know, I want my wife back. I, I need my wife of back. Course. I want my wife back. Mm -hmm. I understand. And no, mm -hmm. this is, I cannot be an afterthought. I cannot be just a fixture. I cannot be just like in the background. Like I want my wife back, you know? And that was sort of a wake up call for her. Like, oh, well, Oh, you know what I mean? And we had to readjust just right then into priorities of us within the craziness, right? So it's so overwhelming. I, I mean, it's just, it's such an, 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 a massive, massive, massive change to what yeah. life was like before babies, which is why I phrased it that way. Um, and I have this one last thing I want to say before we close out is that I have this theory of my own, my own personal theory. Um, <laughs> That I think all the sex people have prior to marriage 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know where I'm going with yeah. this. Yes. Um, does an incredible disservice to anyone who wants to be married and plans to be married um, because sex post-marriage looks and feels nothing like sex pre-marriage. And because of the culture we live in today where sex is so, uh, what's the word, you know? Primary. Primary, free, celebrated, whatever. There's, there's a, it sets people up from the time they're young of, of, with this vision of what sex should be like and will be like as adults. And then you start to have all the sex prior to marriage. That kind of sex doesn't have any um, strains on it. it it's, it's, it. it's so different. It's so vastly different from responsible married sex and everything that comes with real life after you're married that you, you've, You've set yourself up for this this something that's never really going to happen again. Does that make sense? I mean, it will happen again, but in in a yeah. small way, again, like at the very beginning of marriage and then after your empty nesters or whatever, hopefully. But but for that duration, it, it, it's like going from um feast to famine. <laughs> and you and you and you might right. and you might accidentally compare to what you were doing before you were married and think there's something wrong with your marriage, for example, because you're not having sex the way you did before you were married. That's what I mean. Like I just, I, yes. I've just always had this thought that all this sex prior to marriage is actually just setting people up to fail at married sex. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And you know, I, the, yeah, it makes sense. The conversation that I have myself with millennials and younger people who like, you know, in thirties is still millennials, right? Millennials go up to 34 now. Um, that this part of the uh, resisting, you know, marrying and having babies because they actually think that's going to ruin their lives. Oh, yeah. They actually think that's going to ruin their lives, right? Not not understanding that the best thing that I've done in my life, I don't know about you, but the best thing I've ever done in my life is having these two kids. Just all I ever want to do is flip that on script and saying, honey, your life starts when you get married. It doesn't end. You've got this all backwards. But they don't know, right? They think they think kids will ruin your life because they're so, you know, time consuming. They are. But it's also the most rewarding thing in the damn world. I know. And I don't I didn't know this until I did it, even though I was nothing's going to stop me from doing it. But like the rewards and the. My God, life starts, you know, again, when they become young adults and it's a whole the whole second half, second second half of life is completely full because the kids and their friends Absolutely. and everything around Absolutely. that. That's as like a whole to, other conversation because they're, I, I they're living it, for themselves and they're not thinking ahead. It's just a completely different way of moving through the world from the way our parents and our grandparents did. It's just. But I mean, these are stages of life, you know. There's stages of development, you know, throughout life, and this is a, a one that is everybody has to, you know, endure endure deal with you know handle whatever to me like i I think this is my brain though i've always been like this my my for me it's always like ah i wonder what we're gonna do with this like everything that happens to me i just go "Hmm, okay let's handle this like oh yeah like it's it's never a problem like if you know if we're we're not right attitude about it right like it's like you know i'm nothing if not flexible you Mm -hmm. know life happens oh okay let's handle you know and so everybody has to get through it if you can have a you know a family and kids so there's a system there's a way and it's an adaptation and that's actually what makes things interesting if nothing else like you know i never would end up in the garage under the couch 
you know, that was kind of fun. That was kind of super hot, actually. I want to tell you, it was super freaking hot. I bet. I bet. You know, and in the summer when it's hot in there, it was got really sweaty. That was hot. Yeah, I don't, you know? I'm sorry. I don't have anything as creative as that to to, to have as an alternative. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was just I, a setup that I had. Mine was just locking the damn door. It's just locking the door and not making noise. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's like, and that's not nearly as fun as. Your solution. Right, no, Your that, solution. That wasn't work. That wasn't working for her. For her, the door lock was done enough. It's done yeah. enough because they could hear us. I know it. You know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's real. It's real. How old are your kids again? Now he's nineteen that, and she's seventeen. Oh, that's right. But he's at home, going to school. But he's at home still. So you. Right. So right. you're not really going to be empty empty nesters for a couple of years, right? Couple of years. Yeah. 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 It looks like next year she's going to go away to college, like your daughter, and then he's. Going to do one more year here, and then he's going to take off. Okay, so no. we're we're knocking on the door of that final stage, which I hear <laughs> is just fabuloso. <laughs> yes, we'll talk about it. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, this has Stuff. been a great conversation. Thanks for talking sex with me, Andre. I appreciate it. Thank I've you. just been wanting to do that for a while, so I thought I'd you know tackle that one. Beautiful. Check. All right, check. There you go. All right, <laughs> we'll talk again next week. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Suzanne Banker Show. Don't forget to tune in next week. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a question or a comment for me, go to Suzanne at the Suzanne Banker Show.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.